We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Valentin. Hey guys, this week's episode is from my time in Taiwan. Some of these episodes are going to be translated, so you'll have to hear the back and forth. But listen, I love the content so much. I love my time in Taiwan that I thought this would really bless you. So hopefully you enjoy it. Well, we had such a fun time today being with everyone. And tonight, I hope to build upon what we've done today. And if you weren't here this morning, um, we had a really great time talking practically about how to help other people. How many believe that the Lord wants us to be the most emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually whole people on the planet? I believe that that's what God wants to do here in Taipei. He wants to take uh, his bride, his body, and make them whole emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. All right, so we're going to pray really quick, and then we're going to dive in. Father, we ask that you would come tonight, that you would be in this room with us. Father, we invite you here to speak to us, Lord, to touch our hearts. God, we want you to know us, and Lord, we want to know you. Father, we want to know you as our dad, as our comforter, as a lover. And Lord, I ask that you would fill each person's heart tonight. Lord, that you would go to the deep places of their lives, Lord, and you'd begin to love them and minister to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In the 1970s, there was this experiment done called the Rat Park Experiment. Has anyone heard of the Rat Park Experiment before? Braveco, yeah. The Rat Park Experiment um, basically happened because in the 1960s, they were trying to figure out how addictive are drugs. See, scientists used to believe that drugs have these hooks in them, that when you take drugs, that you can't, you actually can't stop because like that once you take them, you get hooked. What they did in the sixties is they took rats and they put them in a cage. One, um, in the, in the cage was one bottle of water and then a bottle of water laced with drugs. What's interesting is Every single time they put a rat in the cage, eventually that rat overdosed on drugs and died. So as you can imagine, their conclusion was drugs are so dangerous. They have so many hooks in them that once you start, you have to have it and you'll eventually die. But a guy by the name of Bruce Alexander came along 10 years later and he looked at that study and he said, I wonder if it's that the the drugs are so powerful or that the rats are so lonely. So Bruce had this great idea. He thought, I'm going to make a rat park. So he took these rats and he put them in a cage that had all kinds of fun things to do. The rats could play with toys. They could mingle together. The rats could run uh, on, on the wheel. But he also put the same two water bottles in there. 
one fresh, clean water, and one laced with drugs. What's really interesting is that rats would sometimes taste the drug-laced water, but not one rat overdosed and died. The addiction starts in our lives when we can no longer bear being present in our life. Addiction has more to do with the cage that you live in than the actual substance you take. See, when you're isolated, lonely, without connection, you have to medicate that pain. When you go back to how you were raised, when you start to think through, well, what was the world that I grew up in? What was the cage that I grew up in? Were you nurtured, cherished, loved, seen, understood, taken care of? Or were you isolated, alone, with, without uh, really being known and understood? See, re- researchers say that psychological isolation, being alone inside of your mind, being alone inside of yourself is more damaging to you than smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. That's pretty wild, huh? Being alone, being all alone inside of yourself is more damaging to your physical body than for you to smoke two packs of cigarettes. I don't know how it is in Taiwan, but in America, if we see somebody smoking, a Christian smoking, everyone's kind of like, hmm. But if we see someone who's alone and isolated and just kind of to themselves, we're like, oh, whatever. We don't even think about it. We just kind of, well, whatever. You would be better off smoking one pack of cigarettes every day and having close friends than to not smoke any cigarettes a day and not having anyone. I'm not really saying that we should all be smoking cigarettes. I'm trying to make a point. The point is how dangerous, how painful how hard it is to not have real deep connection. See, somebody once said, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. You might be asking, why is he talking about addiction so much? Because Pastor Ewan told me that you guys are all addicted. (laughs) They didn't think it was that funny. No, no, that's not what happened. (laughs) He probably took it serious. When we live isolated, when we live alone, when, when we live inside of ourselves, stuffing our emotions, what happens is you can't live like that for very long. So you end up medicating that pain with addictions. We eat too much. We drink too much. We smoke too much. We look at pornography. We uh, play video games. Whatever it takes to not be present in your life. See, psychologists say that there's two types of connection that people need in order to live a really healthy whole life. The first type of connection is a deep connection uh, between two people. And then the second one is you need a connection with a group of people. You need to feel like you belong to a tribe. See, when you have a deep connection with somebody, you get this message that you belong, that you, that you are important, that you really matter. And when you belong to a group of people, 
You have this type of connection that's like a tribe. How many of you understand that we are herd animals? We were designed to live inside of a group. Um, I'm trying to think of how to make it easy for you. We're designed to live inside of a pack. My mom has these really beautiful horses, and one horse was really skinny because the other horse was dominating it and eating all of the food. So she had a really great idea, and she thought, well, I'll just separate the horses and until this one eats enough food that it can get fat, and then I'll put them back in the, the pen together. Well, it didn't work out very well because as soon as my mom separated the horses, this horse got so lonely, it refused to eat anything. It would have literally rather died uh, from starvation um, than to eat food and be alone. But one of the challenges is a lot of us don't even understand really how to connect deeply. Because it wasn't modeled for us very well. I think that in this regard, Asian culture is a, is a lot like um, Western culture. If you're a man in Western culture, you get this message right here. You get, you get this message that says, be tough. Don't show your emotions. Uh, be brave. Just walk it off. And the women can be really emotional But the guys aren't going to really engage in that. That's kind of a woman's thing. So we feel really brave as men because we're really reserved. We feel really strong because we don't show any weaknesses or fear. But the problem is, is that we are so incredibly disconnected. It's really simple when you think about connection. Connection is built through the exchange of emotions. I have five kids and... When my kids were little, you can see connection being built so easily. I have a three-year-old daughter, and when I come home, she is excited to see me. When I walk in the door, she goes, Dad, and runs to me every time. Do you know what I do back? I go, hey, what's up? What's going on? Good to see you. No, I go, hey! Come here! What just happened there? She goes, hey! And I go, hey! And together we feel incredibly bonded. I remember when my daughter Edie was about five weeks old. Oh man, those early days of raising kids are so hard because you're so tired. Do you guys remember those early days? My wife Lauren was so completely exhausted one night and Edie had woken up at about three in the morning And so I got out of bed to go get the baby. It was really cold. So I climbed out of bed and I grabbed the warmest thing that was close to me, which was my wife's uh, robe. And I I put it on, but it was too small for me. But it didn't matter. I was way too tired to care. So my my baby's crying and I go over there and I pick the baby up and I'm just like barely awake. And I begin to rock her. And I'm, shh, it's okay, baby. And she starts to calm down. And I look up in the mirror, and there I am, standing there. I'm in my orange underwear with a, with a bathrobe that's too tight and a crying baby. Do you know what was happening? I was bonding to my baby. 
We were creating a bond. She was having a really tough moment. One of the toughest moments that she'd ever had. And I was just there with her in it. I was just sharing that moment with her. And I was really tired. And it was a really tough moment for me. And together we went through that moment. See, that's what relationships are supposed to look like. That's what life's supposed to look like. We are all incredibly emotional human beings. It's not like girls got all the emotions and guys got the leftovers. It's through that exchange of what's really going on inside that I feel feel so deeply connected to you. We're going to take a look at um, a passage. In John 11, it's a story of Lazarus uh, who's sick and he's about to die. Do you guys remember the story? So Lazarus is really sick and Mary and Martha, who are really close friends of Jesus, they come and they send word to Jesus that their brother's sick. Instead of coming right away, Jesus takes his time knowing that Lazarus is going to die and knowing that he's going to raise him to de- uh, from the dead, Jesus takes his time and he doesn't come right away. And Lazarus actually, uh, Jesus comes back a few days later and Lazarus is dead. And Martha is there to meet Jesus. And she says to him, if only you would have come sooner, our brother would have not died. But Jesus says, hey, don't worry about that. I'm the God of the dead and the living. Like, I'm going to take care of your brother. Well, then Mary hears that Jesus is in town. And so Mary runs and she falls at Jesus's feet and she's weeping. And she says, if only you would have come, my brother wouldn't have died. And he says to her, woman, stop crying. What is your problem? No, he doesn't actually do that. He starts crying. He weeps. He gets in that moment with her. Jesus, the most powerful man that's ever walked this planet. He doesn't go, stop crying. Quit showing all that emotion. I'm about to take care of this. He just gets all the way down deep into the pain with her. And he takes time to cry with her. See, that's how deeply important connection was to Jesus. Even though he could have solved that, he didn't didn't just go, I'm going to solve this for you. Just just calm down. To me, that's, that's one of the most fascinating things in the Bible. See, as a man, I'm thinking, I would have just fixed it for her. I would have just done the same thing that I did for Martha. I would have said, I'm the God of the living and the dead. I'm just going to fix this for you right now. Guys, could you imagine coming home and your wife sitting on the couch and she's crying because the water won't turn on? And you know that the water won't turn on because the valve down below is turned off. And she's just so sad about it. And instead of just going, quit crying and turning the water on, you just sit on the couch and share a tear with her. Wow, what a t- the tough day you've had. Tell me about how that made you feel. What's going on inside of you? And after you have a good cry, you just get up and turn the water back on. Have you guys ever heard of the still face experiment? You can watch it on YouTube. The still face experiment, they took a baby and it's sitting in a high chair and the mother's looking right at the baby and they're playing back and forth. The baby's probably a year and a half old. And the baby's smiling and the mom's smiling. And the baby's playing and mom's playing back. And 
all of a sudden the mom stops any expression back to the baby. So at first the baby tries to play more with mom and mom just stares at the baby. And then the baby gets really mad and it starts to scream. And then it kind of looks at mom, but mom doesn't do anything. And before you know it, the, the baby actually bites himself because he's starting to experience something that he hasn't experienced before. He's experiencing disconnection. It's incredibly painful to watch uh, as, as a parent. It's really, really hard to watch. I'm just wondering how much of us grew up in a home where you didn't have somebody else connecting back to you, where you were not met with joy and and connection. See, what happens when we grow up like that is we don't feel worthy of love. And then you do all kinds of things to try to perform for love. There's a woman named Brene Brown who, she's a clinical psychologist. She says the only difference between people who feel worthy of love and people who don't is people who feel worthy of love believe their story makes them beautiful. So many people think that if they could just perform better, they would be worthy of love. If they could just be more perfect, they would be worthy of love. But how many of you have figured out there is no such thing as perfection? You can't get there. It's impossible. It's why Jesus literally came and died on a cross because we couldn't reach perfection. He said, you can't make yourself worthy of love. I will do it for you. See, so many of you are looking at your story, the, the, the bad things, the, the good things, and disqualifying yourself from real connection. Yeah. And you walk around carrying so much shame about the mistakes that you've made. And when you walk around carrying shame about the mistakes that you've made, you don't let anybody in because you have this core belief about yourself. If anyone knew me, really knew me, they wouldn't love me. And when we live like that, we're back like a rat in the cage, isolated and alone. But the truth is, there's not anybody in this room that doesn't have something they wish they wouldn't have done. There's nobody in this room without a regret. When I was a a young child, I grew up in a really loving home. And every single day, my dad looked at me and he told me, you're special. You're not like everybody else. And I, re- I can remember as a really young boy feeling really special. And I used to think to myself, I wonder what it feels like to be normal. I felt so special. I made all kinds of really horrible mistakes as a young boy when I felt so special. Yeah. And I remember being 17 years old and I was driving across uh, a bridge And I had this realization, the only difference between me and everybody else was the way that I thought. That's it. It was really interesting. I had done all the other things that all of the other boys had done. Even to this day, when I look at my life, I've gone through almost the same thing that everyone in this room has. Anybody been stuck in addiction before? I have. Well, y'all. Anybody go through a divorce? I did. Anybody uh, lose a baby from miscarriages? Yep. Anybody been in a nervous breakdown before? You can't go to work? Suffer with anxiety for 10 years? Have depression so bad you don't want to get out of bed? I have. 
Guys, that's real life. That's real life. See, my dad taught me at a really young age. He taught me that anything that you overcome, you have power over. He would tell me, son, anything that you overcome, you have power over. And what you have power over, somebody needs that. So at 16, when I finally overcame pornography, I didn't hide that. I shared it so I could help people. At 28, when I worked through the pain of my divorce, I didn't hide it. I shared it. I realized that inside of my story is connection for other people. Don't love who you think that I am. Love the real me. Because if you can only love me if I'm perfect, that's a commentary on you, not me. You're the one that's in a prison, not me. See, God doesn't just want to set you free. He wants to use what you've gone through to set other people free. Do you understand that the breakthrough that the person sitting next to you is looking for literally lives inside of you. It's your story. It's your connection. It's your breakthrough. But we live underneath this lie in the church that if people really know who you are, you're not good enough. And because of that, we live in one of the most disconnected societies that's ever walked the planet. It's true. Our young people are desperate. They are so desperate to really be loved that they will do almost anything for someone to connect to them. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. How many of you believe what this verse is saying? You are no longer an old creation. You are a new creation. The old is gone away and you have been reconciled Back to Christ, not counting your sins against you. See, when when God looks at you, he doesn't go, there's my child who's all dirty. He looks at you and goes, oh yeah, all that stuff that you did, I already took care of it. I have this incredible solution for you. Well, why does that matter? To me, that's everything. Because... If you come into this building trying to be perfect so that God and people will love you, you completely miss the gospel message. See, you didn't make yourself clean. He provided a way to make you clean. And when we try to perform for love, it's impossible because we just end up in this fear-based relationship with God. But what's even worse than that is that Instead of coming to God with where you're really at, what you're really struggling with, what you're really going through, we hide it to try to be perfect. And you never actually feel really loved, really connected, really cared for. And then we do the same thing to one another. We're so afraid to go, this is where I'm really at. I'm, I'm really struggling today. I feel lonely or I feel afraid or I feel isolated. And because we don't do that, we don't feel really deeply known and understood. And you go, well, why does that really matter that much? Listen, you can learn every scripture in the Bible. You can sing every worship song that you want. You can be a Christian superhero. 
You can do all that stuff and never be known. And Christ didn't die so that you would hide. Christ died so that you would be set free and reconnected back to a loving, caring God who loves you despite your worst day so that you could walk through these doors and come to one another just as you are. God doesn't need you to clean yourself up. Do you know what that's like? It's like washing your car perfectly clean and then taking it to a car wash to get washed. It's like, I know, clean my car so much before I take it to the car wash. We do that with God all the time. And the problem is because we don't let him see really where we're at, we don't feel really loved. My proposal is that we have to change how we're doing relationship. We have to change how we're doing life. And it's uncomfortable because it changes how we do church. It changes how we do leadership, how we do family. But I honestly don't think that we have another alternative. Our culture is so suffering under addiction. I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves in, in we look at what culture is doing today, they're literally dying for connection. And the church is almost the same. I want to just take a little bit of time today and invite God into those places of our life that we need love and connection. Even more importantly, I want to invite him into those places that you have shame. So Holy Spirit, we invite you here tonight. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Brave Co. Podcast. If you like this podcast, would you please rate it, review it, leave us a great comment. And if you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and family. That helps us to spread the word. Guys, stay brave. We'll see you next week.